Everybody, welcome to Comics on Infinite Earths. This episode, we'll be discussing Mr. Miracle and Grant Morrison's run on JLA. I'm your host, Michael, on the other side is John. Hey, how's it going, guys? God, has it been really a year since you and I did an episode together? Yeah, it, it's been a long time. We've been talking about doing stuff and just keeps... We keep keep talking about, oh yeah, I've got this, i got that, let's do this, and then it just... <laughs> I keep having you do movie shows with me, and eventually we're, we're going to run out of the Godzilla stuff that we're discussing, at least or at least take a pause on it, and then we're going to go to the comic book stuff. We have a long list of, oddly enough, you and I must have similar tastes because <laughs> I'll say, I have this, and you go, I also have this. That's a weird coincidence. And like five books in, we're like, okay, this is getting a little bizarre. <laughs> yeah, and well, just, yeah, especially because I went and did a blind buy of uh, comics and some graphic novels, and I'm like, oh, check out what I got here. I have... I have this uh, this Robin run. I have this here. It's like I have all these. Yeah. Do you have? Are you more of a physical copy, or do you do a lot of the comicsology, digital comics? A little bit of both. I I prefer I prefer to actually have floppies and and the uh, anything physical. Yeah. But I I do have comicsology. I picked that up over the last uh, six months or so. It's so and... much cheaper, but I just can't bring myself to do it. But I have to because I just, I told someone. I think three years ago that I was going to discuss Alpha Flight, the John Byrne Alpha Flight run with them. Three years ago. But because it's so insanely hard to buy, I'm only now just getting them. But I can't get the first eight issues, so I'm going to have to do comicsology. I just... Well, the the great thing about it, and uh, at least for me, I haven't actually physically bought any books from them. I've been taking advantage of all the stuff that, as long as you have the the service, you get for free. And... I have read a lot of interesting stuff, stuff that I wouldn't necessarily have picked up, you know, just, you know, going around in a comic shop. Yeah, I, so, I, I do Humble Bundle. That's the only time I ever have digital copies. And they'll be like, hey, donate eight bucks to charity. You get all these. I'm like, I'm doing a good deed and helping myself because I'm narcissistic. Um, but I, I, have, I have a shit ton of the IDW run of Transformers, G.I. Joe, Action Man, all that stuff. Just sitting in my humble bundle, and I've never bothered to read a single one. It's kind of a, it's stupid. It's really stupid. Well, I did finally get around to reading those old, uh, reprinted at this point Marvel runs from IDW, and it, it was a lot different because then I tried reading some of the more recent ones, and I wasn't as impressed. Yeah, that's what I'm worried about. Okay, so I have the... I, we're not even talking about the comics we said we're going to talk about, but I want to say this real quick. Mr. Miracle <laughs> is what we're going to discuss and the JLA Grant Morrison run. But quickly, classic G.I. Joe. There was a time when those are so hard to get and so expensive, but over the last two years I got all of them except for Volume 15, which is like the last 20 issues, and I remember loving those so much. I am not ponying up $174 for that volume of fuck those guys. And i kind of been pausing on that, hoping they'll reprint it. So I've been kind of looking at volume 16, which picks up later. And I don't know, man. I, I'm not sure I want to get it. And I'm also looking at the prices starting to skyrocket when it was like, you know, 15 bucks just a couple years ago. IDW, the whole Devil's Due run. I don't know about those, man. Well, it's, that's turning into me and Excalibur, where I was listening to a podcast listen you know heard, heard them talking about this kind of going this sounds nutty and interesting and started following well actually it started with captain britain and then they went into into that and just sounding so interesting that it's like okay let me pick up and i picked up the cross time caper and i loved it and so now I'm, i went back and i picked i purchased the uh the first uh, epic thing of the sword is drawn, you know, like the first few yeah issues. Of I almost and picked it, up the cross time caper. There was at a bookstore I was at yesterday, but I was like, oh, I don't know. I'm going to listen to your episode because you said you're going to do an episode separate. You're going to discuss like the ter- first two volumes, correct? Yeah, I want to. I want to do that with uh, with my fiance if uh, she'll get around to reading it. Ah. Sorry, throwing the ones on the bus, but she's not going to hear this, so it's okay. Um, so we'll see. I'm, I'm curious about that one. Yeah, I picked up a bunch of books. We'll discuss it later. Um, um, but real quickly, let's... Uh, Tom King, I've never heard of him before. I just heard good things about the book, so I picked it up at the library. Uh, kids, visit your library. They have tons of comic books for you. Um, but I picked up the complete series of it, and I was blown away. This is definite top ten material for me now. That, this is something that I would like 
cherish. I think if I had that, you know, if I had the money for it, uh, for a pristine like hardcover edition. This is a hell of a book, and I I knew Tom King a little bit because I had read some of, and then finally got around to finishing uh, his run as a Vision. Uh, from last year. He wrote that too. I heard great book. things about that, and I've been curious whether I should pick that up. Yeah, that's 100% worth it. And this, I I had seen and I'd read things where people are, were praising the hell out of it, and it's, uh, you know, it's got, got the Eisners for best writer and best artist. It's, yeah, that, that's the thing. It's like, you sit there and go, I... I am mostly a Marvel Marvel fanboy. I will dip my toes into DC for certain things, where it's like, yeah, I love this run and I love this and that. You know, I'll go and kind of cherry pick the things I love from it. And yeah. I really don't know the fourth world that well. Like, ninety nine percent of my knowledge comes from the Superman cartoon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I will be honest. Going into this, it surprised me that Mister Miracle was actually the the High Father's son. I thought that was Calabac, because that's the way they made it seem in the uh, in the uh, cartoon series. So yeah. So for me, I, I like like just like you, I barely know anything. I'm gonna say something sacrilegious. I think I might have said it before. I'm not a huge Jack Kirby fan. I don't particularly care for the artwork and the writing is. Eh. Um, I know you all shut off the oh, episode, man, the so now it's just me. Come on, the Come on. <laughs> I just don't. I don't. Something about it bothers me. I, th- I, I a lot of the. Older comics bother me because after that you see 50% of the artists are now influenced by Jack Kirby. I'm like, oh, crap. Um, but I'll say this. I didn't know anything about the New Gods except I did read a handful of the Mr. Miracle comics after Crisis. Because that's when DC kind of rebooted their whole universe and started getting all these characters that were newer or kind of like below the radar and giving them a shot at a lead. And I remember reading some of those and thinking it was kind of fun. And But I didn't dive any further into that world. It didn't interest me. Um, and I had seen him also in a little bit of the Justice League International run, and I knew that he was part of the Justice League uh, Grant Morrison run for a bit, um, and Big Bard is a lot of fun, but for most part they've been peripheral, so I really didn't know much about them, and I picked this up, and I'm like, I'm not sure I'm going to like this because I never cared about anything in the New Gods. I don't like the world of Thor and Wonder Woman, Aquaman, kings and queens, I can't really connect to them, even though lately... Uh, Aquaman has been absolutely fucking top notch like the last 10 years it's, it's been phenomenal so I've gotten into that but the gods yeah. and, and kings and stuff like that in aliens like in humans I just I cannot connect to it at all but this was astounding because they got into their personalities it helps that Mr. Miracle is the most human of all of them yeah and that's that's one of the things where I'm going to start this out by making this sound like this is a very dark and morose and sad comic and in a way it is but it is about broken. It's about broken people, especially in the case of uh, Mr. Miracle, who is this man who he can he can escape anything. Lot three is the greatest escape artist of all time, but he can't escape himself. Right. And no matter and no matter how hard he tries, because that's one of the first things you see is him attempting suicide, and it's you know it's like this really you know you dark start to something that. Really, it's not. I don't want to say it's not as dark as you think it is, but you know, God, there's the violence, there's the blood. So much, there's so much blood. I was actually shocked. <coughs> yeah, it's like this is this is a this is a. I people talk about things being mature and usually just say, oh, it has boobs and dicks and stuff. Yeah, this is a this is a 100% mature comic because it's not. You know, it is not about anything that children would necessarily understand. This is about being an adult. It's about trying to, you know, deal with with any you know your life and your choices and everything like that. And it's phenomenal. And it has one of the single greatest issues in like my in my top three issues of comics of all time, which is where they're assaulting the fortress and. They're having a discussion about, you know, they're, they're going to rebuild their their condo, and they're having this conversation as they're fighting people and killing and doing all these things, and it's this real conversation. Yeah, that's the thing is that they really got down the personalities. They discuss these little quibble things like the fact that he refuses to clean himself up. 
the you know what they're going to do with it now that she's pregnant they're going to have a baby and time shoots by a lot like this is a whole year or two of their life in this book the fact that she's insecure about being so tall and yet he doesn't give a crap about that at all and, you know the little things like what are they going to do with the bathroom you know reconstructing it and stuff like these little bits and pieces or the fact that he has these conversations with uh, Light Ray and uh, Orion and stuff like that that seems so casual at the same time so insane like he is condemned to death this is the thing I'm giving away spoilers like crazy but it's also so confusing for me because um, I have to go read it again so he has the God equation or something in him and Orion well, believe, uh, the questioning the questioning thing is so confusing you might know you're, you're going to be better at this I just, I just know you're going to be better at this explaining let's see uh yeah, it's, well, Darkseid has the anti-life equation. He has, I guess, a, a version of it as well inside of him. And so it's, like, Darkseid wants this, and the, the framing story for Mr. Miracle is that there's going to be this war between the uh, new gods and the uh, beings of Apocalypse. And I, the High Father has gone, and it's now being run by uh, Orion. So... The war isn't necessarily going well, and Mr. Miracle is and Big Barda are both turned into generals, having to fight this this war. <coughs> but you know, of course, they're also having their own personal lives. You know, at one point, Bar, uh, Barda gets pregnant, and so they're now not only having to raise a child and fight this war. <coughs> and it's just, yeah, you you have so much. There's a lot of stuff that happens with this thing where. I, like at one point, and I'm not sure it's ever explained. I don't know what happens to Orion. Something happens to him, and he gets he gets killed or something. His head gets smashed in. It's just it's the craziest thing. They kill they kill so many people in this universe. You, Granny Goodness, who has been a villain, and I didn't know the full story about what what she did to them as children. It sounds horrific, you know, to make them tougher. And you know, they just smash her head, and she's done. She's done. And I was like, whoa, what the fuck. <laughs> Yeah, I, I wonder how much of this is actual DC canon now, yeah, and how much isn't. Well, it feels a little bit like a Vertigo or an Elseworlds. It's really on that red, yeah. that edge. So um, I would say 20 years ago, this would have been moved over to Vertigo, because clearly... Is Vertigo done? Did they get rid of that? No, Vertigo's still around, but uh, DC's doing a thing called Black Label, uh-huh. and I'm kind of surprised this wasn't a Black Label title. Is that geared more towards adults, like more sophisticated storytelling? Yeah, that's this one where like Batman, White Knight, and Damned are from. Okay. Damned in particular is the one where you get to see Batman's junk. Okay. Like his yeah, dick. That, that oh wait, like, I heard about this. Yeah, right. Yeah, you can oh, see Batman's. Yeah. Does it have a bat? Is it a bat schlong? Is that what he calls it? My bat dong. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, that that's their. That is their max line, if we were going to use the, the Marvel comparison. Okay, that makes sense, yeah. Um, and yeah, I would definitely would have put this there. Yeah, it's it's so complex in the storyline. I mean, there's a point where he gets into an argument with Orion about how he can see the face of God, and if I'm not the face of you know, whatever, and he, he says that he is technically treasonous, so that he's going to be executed, and they're, they're kind of blasé about it. I think they even at a doctor's appointment or something. It's like, like yeah, yeah, I'll be there to, for my, uh, my day in court, and I'll be executed, whatever. You know, we'll just get to it, and it just it flips on itself because it doesn't go the direction you think it is. Now he's ahead of this army. He has to deal with Darkseid. He makes a deal with Darkseid. He wants their baby, and like, well, and it's so the way that you keep thinking things are gonna go in a direction, and you're just shocked when it takes a turn. Like you, they have this plan to take down Darkseid, and uh, is it Darkseid? Am I saying it wrong? Darkseid? Oh, no, it's, it is Darkseid. Yeah. Okay, that's a little on the nose, isn't it? Eh. Um. Yeah, but but you're also talking uh, Golden Age, you know, Silver Age comics that's, that's where true. everything was on the nose. Yeah, I was absolutely just astounded. A lot of it is how uh, who's the artist on this again? Oh, that is uh, Mitch Mitch Garrett. What has he done before this? Because he is so unique. He does art like I've never seen before. It's it's like this weird layered image upon image and, and doing sort of techniques to it that I've never seen before, and it really pushes the medium somewhere new. Yeah, I'm not overly familiar with them. I guess he did Batman. I think he might have been on uh, Scott Snyder's run. Maybe it's maybe it's more the more recent run. I'm not 
Okay. Entirely sure on. Yeah, I recommended this to our mutual friend Andrew, and uh, he's not a huge comic book guy by any means, uh, but he does like some of the more sophisticated, complicated stuff. And I was like, look, you don't even know anything about the DC universe. It's not even important. It's barely in the DC universe. It's just it's something that pushes the medium. It's so complex, and I tried to explain it to him, and uh, he says, "Ah, oh, damn it!" He said it was like Preacher. And I go, no, it's nothing like Preacher. I don't know where you even got that connection. <laughs> well, I guess because that's the most, uh, if anyone's going to recommend, you know, quote, unquote, recommend a comic book series, a lot of times that comes up because it's a very well-drawn series. But for, especially for Andrew, I, would, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that for him just based in, I know he's not, like, I don't want, you know, not, I try not to categorize him as over-religious or anything, but... I think it's a little more blasphemous than he would really want to read. Uh, still, it's something he should. I think he should test. But I think if you're adventurous and you want to see something in the DC universe, but that it's it's not required. You don't know anything about the DC universe, but it's also like if you're into it, it's just like rich little slice of pie at the end of a meal, and it really just like this is something new, fresh, and unique for uh, a label who I say DC was lost for a very long time after Brightest Day. It seemed like they were just flapping their arms to keep from drowning. And I think they're finally starting to right the ship in the last two years. Yeah, and everything post-Rebirth uh, has, has definitely worked out. God, New Although, 52 was such a dumbass idea. You don't do that many comic books at one time. They're not going to succeed. You've exhausted everybody's pocketbook. And, of course, comics are going to get canceled after eight issues. Who can keep them alive? This is true. And although the strongest ones... I've been, you know, I read read a lot of the Batman run, and that's amazing. Oh, Batman's gonna uh, survive Wonder no Woman. matter what. Uh, who are we kidding? Well, well, no, I actually, but I, I might have been Tom King who took it over after uh, Rebirth, and I'm not not as good on that. Is the Scott Snyder one is amazing. Yeah. Uh, Wonder Woman and Aquaman were all were all heavy hitters. Those were really good. The, uh, you see Tom King just got uh, hired as the writer for the New Gods movie that DC wants to do? I'm, okay. I'm very good with that. Yes, I'm good with that too, I mean, but yeah. I also don't know if DC knows. I really hope they've righted the ship because it seemed like they were also lost with their movies. But Aquaman was a hit. Here, here's what's confusing me. Are you going to keep it all together? Because in the world of Aquaman and Wonder Woman, they have a Batman. They have a Superman and a Flash. We've met them. They, they've all built this world, and now are you expecting us to go in different directions where they don't acknowledge they know each other anymore? And when the new Batman shows up, is it going to be a prequel? Is this Robert Pattinson thing a prequel where it doesn't matter? You know, way before Justice League? What are they doing? They're going to have to do Flashpoint. They almost have to do Flashpoint in order to reconfigure the timeline. That's possible, although it looks like they're doing a... Everything's kind of soft rebooting where... They're just going to kind of, oh, yeah, things happened, but uh, don't think about it too hard. Ooh, what about Crisis? They could finally do Crisis. Oh, that, no, it's, it's impossible. There's like 9,000 characters, but I would give my left one to see the blue devil on the big screen. <laughs> well, I will say this. This is why I'm okay with Tom King being doing a new Gods film. In one of the last, one of the last issues where we, they're confronting Darkseid, they first break him a veggie tray, and we have an entire nine-panel thing where we see Darkseid eating a carrot, very <laughs> angrily eating a carrot. And not only that, he double dips. He double dips, it was I, so funny. We brought a salad, or a vegetable plate, and he's like, nah, all right, whatever. Yeah, just his his angry face chewing on a carrot is is enough, to, is enough for me to go, I, well, and I'll, like I said, I've read, read uh, his vision run, which also is definitely, even though it's not new gods or anything, obviously, uh, you can see that he knows how to blend humor and tension and drama very well. That, yeah, it's it's a complicated you know, thing to do because sometimes you can veer off into silly and then you ruin it for yourself. Yeah, com you know, also comics are and films are two different mediums, but that's the sort of thing that you know. I think that's why Aquaman worked better because you actually had Jeff Johns kind of seeing it through yeah. more so than when we had all the Superman stuff and no real comic creators at the helm. The, uh, 
the run that Miracle Man and Big Barter, they were briefly part of Justice League International, which became Justice League of America, and when it split off with Justice League Europe back in the 80s. That's a whole different story. I could talk about that for ages. That's one of my favorite runs, but there's a problem. When you revisit the Justice League in the 80s, they're great characters. They fully develop them. They give them wacky, crazy premises and stuff like that. But I don't remember really much of the storylines. I don't remember any of the villains. And that became a problem, which, oddly enough, I didn't remember that running for like uh, 15 years. Or not, sorry, I didn't mean to say 15 years. 150 issues. Like it ran from 87 to 95. And by the end, there was no Batman, there was no Superman, there was just Wonder Woman, I think Martian Manhunter. And it kind of hit the end of its run. They didn't know what to do with it. The sales were plummeting, and they gave it a big rebirth. And Grant Morrison basically dictated, look, I will take this into a whole new place. you got to give me my team. And they're like, fuck it, yeah, sure, just take whoever you want. And it's not as fun, I think, when it comes to the characters, but the villains are truly memorable, and the storylines are deeper and more complex than the Dematis, um, uh, Keith Giffen run. Yeah, but this is also, I did not enjoy this as much, uh, but this is the sort of thing. Grant Morrison is a, is a writer I either absolutely love or absolutely hate. He, there doesn't really seem to be too much uh, middle ground for me, where... Something great is like, say, his run on Animal Man, which is so interesting and, and subversive, and it and it examines tropes and everything like that. It's so well thought out. Yeah. And then maybe say like uh, Final, you know, uh, Final Crisis at Batman R.A.P., where it's just he 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 wants to be deep, but he's refusing to actually explain anything and he just wants to it's basically just kind of uh, uh david lynching everything whereas well, i'm gonna be weird for the sake of weird yeah well it's almost wonderful it's dictated by the company though like look you can dabble and take this into different directions but you got to stay within in certain parameters now i got to read like the first eight issues of animal man we were supposed to do this as an episode but uh dc universe took it away so i gotta wait for them to bring it back so we can do it because I want, I want to do all 20, what, 27 issues. I want to discuss the whole run. Um, and I found it very interesting. Um, I found it better than the Jeff Lemire run. I know you like that one, but I got it. I, I tried reading it. I could not get into it for anything. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. It's like This thing doesn't start out bad because it's an interesting concept where you have a new group of heroes mysteriously show up, and they're turning the tide of public opinion away from the Justice League. And then we, it turns out, oh, they're actually uh, white Martians who've been manipulating the people and stuff like that. And that's that's a decent little start, you know, start to the to the run. Yeah. Well, it was something new to the mythos, right? Because white Martians were not part of the mythos. That was a whole new creation, correct? I don't know on that one. It seemed like it seemed like they were they were established at this point, but uh, might it might not because they it didn't seem like they were surprised that they were white Martians at any point, but. Well, I guess I, I should start out with right with right here. Batman is a great character in his own solo comic. Usually, when he's put into teams, he ends up becoming OP. He is he knows everything. He is never surprised by everything. He is God, and uh, he's omnipotent, omnipresent. It doesn't matter what he does. You know, Batman knows everything and can and can do everything. And this is the case in all of these issues, is basically Batman solves all the problems. Which is ironic, because you know, we, we didn't get to... What issue did you get to on this? I'm curious. Because I've read, all, I've read uh, I, think I think, the entire run, 117 issues. I want to go... I think the first volume just goes all the way through issue 9. Okay. Because we deal with... Uh, we have that... Uh, we have a great standalone issue that should have been a full-on story with Tomorrow Girl. Oh yeah, that, that, was, that was really, that was really short, and I was actually surprised by that because what Tio Moro creates a new robot, and I was like, oh, we're done with this already. What the hell? Yeah, because that that should have been a, a full thing, especially considering what follows is this bullshit with with angels and shit. Yeah, the uh, but... and it's stupid and Are and you... it's fucking oh, I have I have to say this. I was making joke at that during the Tomorrow Girl story 
I was making jokes about Mullet Man, you know, the <laughs> mullet of steel, because you know, that that does at the time that Superman had died. Been, oh my god, I forgot that stupid hairdo. Yeah. And, and I was joking about that because like, at least it's not that stupid fucking uh, electric Superman thing. <laughs> Turn the page, electric <laughs> Superman. Um, but I, I would say before we back up uh, on the storyline real quick, um, there is an issue. I want to say it's like issue fifteen where they discover all the weaknesses of the superheroes and are being taken out left and right. And they're like, how the hell do they know all our secrets? And Batman says they stole them from me. And they're like, I'm sorry, what did you just say? And he goes, I had a database collected with all of your weaknesses. And they're like, what the fuck did you do that for? And he goes, in case you guys ever turned on me, I, knew, I didn't know how to stop you. In my opinion, that makes sense. They kicked him out of the Justice yeah, that, because of this. I think you're talking, that's a Tower of Babel uh, storyline, right? Because that's what I was kind of hoping, hoping that we were going to be reading. Like when I when I started this, I'm like, volume one, isn't that isn't that the Tower of Babel? Okay, well, and then I'm like, oh no, it's not. Yeah, that's further down the line. Tower we have... Babel is, yeah, that that's good. That's good, Grant Morrison. <laughs> and, and funny thing is, I collect. I got four volumes from the library, and I thought I got them in order. I didn't, and somehow I missed Tower of Babel right in the middle. So it's the White Martians. And this is the team we have. Um, there's good and bad. For the most part, DC didn't fuck up in the 90s. Marvel really fucked up because they started following Image's lead. DC was pretty stable. There were some stumbles. I still think the last half of uh, Night Quest is complete shit. Um, and uh, the Extreme Justice, where they gave Booster Gold a suit of armor. No, stop that. Uh, but Blue Beetle has inverted <laughs> colors, so he's more black than blue. Stop this. <laughs> yeah, th that... Yeah, especially Goose, Booster Gold and Blue Beetle are inherently goofy-ass characters. That yeah. They don't necessarily need to be the punchline, but they need to be a little more fun yeah. than some of, the, some of their surrounding people. Well, well, it was because of the death and of this, Superman, they got the snot beat out of them, and they thought they had to toughen up, and that was the wrong thing to do with them. This one is, this version of Justice League America is so much more serious. And I was just thinking about Aquaman. He lost his hand, he grew his hair out, he grew a beard. You know what? In reflection, it looks really stupid. That's a week of... It's, it's Peter David giving up and going, well, I can't make stories that make him tougher. I can't write good dialogue to make him tougher. So I'm going to do these crazy things to him. Yeah, just... Yeah, the the 90s version of some of these people. Yeah, it's... Uh, we have... But you do have... We do have Connor Hawk as... God, I love as, Hawk. As, as, I about to say Hawkeye. God, I feel bad. Uh, green arrow. <laughs> yeah. Arno, not very green. He's mostly red. I love Connor Hawk. I never read Green Arrow. Never read it. Um, I knew about the Mike Grell run, which in retrospect now, uh, I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to make it more serious, but I can be more bored out of my mind. It's when they killed him off and they brought in his son, Connor Hawk, is when I got really excited. Sadly, they've never collected up any of those, and I really wish they would. And Connor Hawk was not appreciated. They realized after a few years, sales sucked. They canceled the series, and they basically did nothing with him except for like being a casual appearance and, and like Robin or something. And then they're like, "Well, now we got to work, you know, Ollie back into this, bring him back to life," which is a good story. But then they shuffled Connor Hawk, you know, off. As far as I know, I don't even know if he's even alive or he's been erased from the well, continuity. Well, he was. No, well, at this point I don't know, but he was in the uh, Kevin Smith run at least because I know I read some of that. Yeah. And there was something that was that I really kind of chuckled at in this in this run, having read the Kevin Smith one, where once Ollie is finally back to being himself, he is pull you know going through his arrows. He pulls out like the punching glove arrow, and he's just he has like an off comment of like if this kid ever sees this he'll you know. He'll have some words for me or something like that. Yeah. He's kind of like, how embarrassing I have a punchy glove arrow. <laughs> and when we and we have caught one of the things that as Connor's running through the uh, the watchtower, you know, going against giant robots and stuff, he pulls, he, he breaks a thing and he's going through the old uh, green arrow things and he's got a punching glove arrow and he's just like, oh dad. <laughs> but that's actually useful. So, that, that is my flat out favorite issue of this entire run. Um, they take on a villain called the Key, which is a super obscure. They, uh, Grant Morrison really deep dived into the mythos and grabbed the Key and turned him into a serious villain who wipes out all the Justice League. And Connor Hawk, who is up there for auditions, comes up and. By the way, that was really stupid. 
There was a thing they did in the auditions. There's no reason for Hitman to be up there, period. They would never even entertain oh, the possibility. I, I, I wondered that, because I saw him in that, in that introductory shot. I'm like, wait, what is he doing there? And then they, they do his throwaway line where he's just like, I got to, I have x-rays. I saw Wonder Woman naked. I'm done. It, but it was, that was a really like, stupid move. That's the only thing that's weak in oh. this. Uh, but that issue is fantastic because it's about Connor Hawk basically dealing with not only uh, his father but the reputation that he brought along with him, and the fact that he takes out the key and all the you know all, all their adversaries whatever by himself with this basket of goofy arrows is just well, he doesn't, he doesn't he doesn't necessarily stop the key by himself. Batman does that. <laughs> It's, I think he. I think he does punchy glove arrow the key as he's running, but everything is still. Again, that's where I sit there. And go, Batman's OP. Even in his dreams, and you're talking about uh, Morrison deep diving. That's that is him. Batman RIP brings back uh, Zuranar. He brings back Bat Knight. In this one, they do a, a storyline called Elseworlds, where they're doing all the. Uh, oh, what if you know Superman's having this dream where he's he ends up with the Green Lantern ring blah 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 but the superman one is very much a callback to like little old golden age silver age uh, comics where oh what if you know when batman grew old and retired well he would have batman 2 and robin 2 and that's literally his son was like robin 2 and i think they do refer to him as robin 2 at one point hey hold on Okay, everybody, uh, sorry about that. There's going to be an awkward pause there because my dog was throwing up and I don't know why, so I had to hit pause. Hi. Um, <laughs> I kind of missed what you were talking about, John, because I was too busy going, what's that heaving sound? And then realizing in horror what that was, and I had to say, stop. <laughs> what were we talking was, about? Uh, of, yeah, I was talking about how Grant Morrison does does this thing where he, he deep dives into old DC, like the golden, uh, golden Silver Age stuff, because... Like in Batman R.E.P., he uses Batmite. He has the Batman of Zuranar. And in the case of this one, since they're doing this uh, Elseworlds type uh, type setting, where like, you know, Superman's imagining that he had he had the ring. Uh, Wonder Woman is fighting Nazis with Steve Trevor. And in Batman's case, he has retired with Selina Kyle, and now has Dick Grayson, I think, or maybe it's maybe it's Tim Drake, as Batman. And his own son as Robin too, and that's all an old school reference too. Yeah. Well, also you know like he pulls like the Shaggy Band. There's so many villains in this. I almost feel like he was too interested in using old school characters instead of creating his own. We get, uh, I think like the Ultimate Man was the original character, but he brings like Queen Bee, which was super obscure. He brings in, uh, uh, well, everybody uses Amazo, Amazo, Amazo. I don't know how you say it. Tomato, tomato, Amazo, Amazo. Um, <laughs> Uh, Shaggy Man, they reinterpret. Uh, they can combine him now with humans, like their mentality, so that changes them up a bit. But um, all, all of it basically led up to World War Three, where they rebuild the Injustice Gang and stuff like that. And, you know, it's 44 issues or 41 issues of pure madness. I think Mark Wade took over after that. And upon reflection, I sat there going, what a ballsy move to make Plastic Man one of the main characters. And he was actually very useful. Well, Plastic Man's really good. Uh, fairly, fairly recently, Gail Simone had a uh, run run from his that was that was really interesting. Yeah, I heard good Although things. The Kyle really Baker good. run I heard was good too. Yeah, it. He's a character that is a a throwaway character that that done well is really good. I like Animal Man too. The, Animal uh, Man's a garbage character. Yeah, they use him. Written one. Yeah, they use um, Animal Man a bit. The one character I forgot about. Because I think they killed... Well, Azuriel was one that was kind of a throwaway, too, which, for a brief moment, he was used a lot, and they killed him off. But Aztec, the ultimate man, which only ran a dozen issues created by Grant Morrison. Grant Morrison brought him back and then killed him. Don't know that one. That, yeah. That's much more of a deep dive into, into DC than I've ever gone. <laughs> yeah, it's... Although it's... I did recognize... I did recognize, like, damage and stuff like that, because, I think, because again, with Hitman also, those were... Uh, what was it, Bloodlines with the Parasites? Is that what that was? That's I think probably... you're right. I totally forgot about that storyline. Yeah, because I, I remember that because that was around around the time I, like, my folks were, were very wonderful, and they bought me, uh, I think it was, I, I want to say it's Costco, used to do blind, like, not, I don't want to say blind buys because you can actually see the comics, but 
they would have things like 25, 30, something like that comics, and you could just buy them as a bulk set. And that's actually, I have the entire run, I have the entire run of the series Zero Day, as well as a lot of the issues tied into that. Oh my I God, I wish they would continue that. With new and old issues, you know there's a ton of 90s issues just sitting out there. Someone wants to bundle up, sell it to Costco, give it to me for 10 bucks. I'll buy 30 issues. That sounds rad. I remember they used to do that, yeah. uh, but it was only for the Christmas catalog. JCPenney did it, where they would collect everything up from one month from Marvel, and you would get it for like 15 bucks. And that's how I got exposed to so much Marvel in the 80s, whereas I didn't experience Disney or Disney DC at all in the 80s. Um, I'm a hardcore DC guy now, but because uh, I kind of moved away from most of Marvel stuff. But back then, DC was pretty alien to me. Yeah, and it's like I, you know, it's like I, I talk about my Marvel love. It's like it's not that I never read DC in the past. I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this, but it's like, yeah, it's like I had the the Return of the Superman run. I had I had a good chunk of the Batman Nightfall stuff. I, it's like I read, I did read some stuff in that time, but it was usually like the tenth, you know. The A list too, really. Yeah. yeah. So it's kinda of, oh and yeah, a little bit of Superboy at one point too, so the um I think that was actually one package I got when I was a kid was Adventures of Superboy, Green Lantern, and Ragman of all things. Ragman, what the hell is that about? Um But uh do you prefer D C when it's a collection of oddball characters or do you want the big six or seven? Actually, I want a little bit more of the uh, obscure, more interesting ones. Like we, I think we both talked about our love for the question. Yeah. I I would love to see more question stuff. I would love to see. Uh, you mentioned Ragman just a few moments ago. I'd actually love to read more Ragman. Uh, He's awesome in Shadow Pact. Did you ever read Shadow Pact? No, I never. Did. Oh God, phenomenal! Bill Willingham does it. It's all the supernatural characters going up. See, that's the thing. Marvel does a really good job of building different teams for different jobs. DC sometimes struggles with that. And they'll start going with it, but then they're like, well, none of these souls, so let's cancel all of this and just make it all Justice League, whatever. Fine, then make Justice League particular to certain jobs. There needs to be a street-level Justice League with people like The Question and Batman and Robin. I don't even understand why Batman's really in Justice League. I know it sounds sacrilegious. But when they look at the big global stuff, Batman sticks out like a sore thumb. Well, yeah, and, and kind of where, like, like I said, I think he works so well in his solo books, and they not when you when you pit him against all these super, you know, super supernatural things or alien invasions and stuff, where it's like, yes, and then all of a sudden, as I said with this thing, he also becomes over, overpowered. He is just, you know. He knows everything. He can do everything, and it's not people. People seem to forget that he's supposed to be the world's greatest detective, like, which is why Tower of Babel works so well. Is he detect? He deduced all their things, and you know, you see his planning for for all ine- inevitabilities. Yeah. But but in something like, oh no, he just knows that these are white Martians, and he knows exactly how to beat them, and he beats all of them, and it's kind of like. <laughs> Why, why do we have a Justice League if Batman can just beat everything? Right. Well, I, don't, I never understood Batman in the first place uh, while he's on the team because you want a detective who's a brilliant tactician. You already have him in Martian Manhunter. That's his thing. Yeah, and it's not like the Flash isn't isn't a, uh, a doofus. Well, actually, no, he's Wally West at this point, isn't he? Right. Like Wally young. West is my, uh, is my Flash. Uh, he's much more entertaining, I think, but he's not as... Uh, God, I don't want to say it, as intelligent as Barry Allen is, I guess. Ugh, fuck, I burned my bridges on that one. <laughs> but I've never been a oh, fan yeah. of Barry. Barry Allen. See, for me, Barry Allen and Hal Jordan aren't as interesting um, because they're almost, until Jeff Jones attacked, you know, got onto the, the characters, I always thought they were kind of like one-dimensional. Like, Hal Jordan, he's not scared of anything. And? I don't care. He has incredible will. All right. And? Kyle Rayner was much more interesting because he had the willpower, but he was still kind of insecure and a novice, which is something they play into in the Justice League run, too. By the way, I forgot this is so 90s because when Guy Gardner shows up to help, he's as the warrior. That weird makeup. Yeah. Ugh, <laughs> I don't even, it's so strange. Yeah. Well, I, had for, I, I really wonder how close is this to uh, uh, Kyle Rayner's introduction where his girlfriend gets fridged because... He makes reference to it, but it seems like 
it, it's like a bad taste almost. Yeah, it just happened, I believe, because that happens a little bit into his run when Major Force does it. Yeah, by this time, um, by this time, Hal Jordan is dead, I believe. He already sacrificed himself to save the sun, just as Justice League was starting up. So he's on his own now. Kyle's, you know, uh, basically the only Green Lantern because I don't think. I don't think John Stewart's a Green Lantern. Uh, obviously, Guy isn't a Green Lantern, and Hal Jordan doesn't come back for three more years. I think until Day of Judgment, where he takes over as the Spectre. Yes, because I, I remember that happening because of the Kevin Smith run, where I I knew of of uh, him of Hal Jordan as Parallax because I have that that storyline in particular. Yeah. But the whole, uh, yeah, Sun Eater stuff, I didn't know about until the Green Arrow run. That was Final Night, right? That was a storyline, Final Night? I think so. I, again, never having never uh, read it, I'm assuming that would sound, that sounds appropriate. Yeah. That, that we covered a lot. We went longer than I ever expected, but there's a lot in this Justice League run that's great. The problem is, the minute Grant Morrison jumped off of this, I don't remember a fucking thing that Mark Wade did with the series for the next, what, five years? And then it ends with Crisis of Conscious storyline, and they're like, what do we do now? We gotta reboot again? And that's all they've done for like the last decade, is just constant reboots. It, it used to be kind of a source of pride to like, hey, we got to issue 150, yay, 250, yay. Now it's like, well, it's like a, te- a, a TV season. We gotta reboot every year. It's like, I'm surprised we got to issue 12 without having to reboot. Yeah. Now there's so many of them I can't even pin down where they're at. And there's, yes, there were spinoffs before. There was the Justice League Task Force, which is a really interesting idea. It was basically Mission Impossible, but with superheroes, where Martian Manhunter was the only constant, and he would choose a team of Justice League members for that particular task. I thought that was a cool idea. Now, one thing that that my collection came with was a follow-up, which was the, uh, like, one of the issues of uh, JLA Secret Files. God, Which I even forgot that had existed. A Starro, yeah, it had a Starro story where if the Spectre shows up and tells them that if if the Justice League goes and interferes with uh, with this thing, it's going to lead to galactic annihilation because okay. Starro will take them over and and so on and so forth. So the only other solution is okay, we're just going to bomb the hell out of this place and you know, sh- you know, I don't remember which city it is. I'll just say Chicago. Chicago is going to become a nuclear wasteland. You know, small loss is is basically kind of like the takeaway. So they decide, no, no, no. If we have all the, we let the Spectre take away our powers, then they can't take. Uh, you know, they'll if they take us over, oh well, they've just got more humans. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like and, what's Eclipso well, kind of had the same thing too. And it's and then again, I kind of go back to the Batman does everything yeah. <laughs> storyline. But it but it is at least an interesting concept where it's like. They're gonna make themselves mortal to fight to fight Starro, but then it also comes with two other stories where uh, this is uh, at the point where Superman became the Electric Blue Superman, and he's throwing off his powers, and it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Oh, hey, we're gonna eliminate some of his powers and make him weaker, so he's not really he's he's okay, man. He's not super. He's just a eh, mediocre man. And then uh, there's also, and it's not. Terror. Well, uh, I should also point out this is not Grant Morrison. This is a Mark Millar uh, storyline. Uh, these these three things, uh, but it's also it kind of ends and it's it's not bad, but it is kind of especially after bad Superman stuff. It's just kind of like a day in the life of Martian Manhunter, and it's just kind of boils down to yeah, Martian Manhunter does things. Yeah. You know, and him and his civilian guys. I really tried it's, reading it's his not... solo stuff, and I was bored out of my mind. Yeah. That, that's, that turns into my problem where it's like, I like a hand, I have to cherry pick my DC because there, there's a lot of good characters, a lot of interesting stuff, but it's either very few and far between in specific runs, or it's, you know, you got, you got like a, Every now and then, like, oh, yeah, there's a run of one character that's phenomenal. But then we throw them together, and Avengers has this problem, too, where a team book is only is only strong as the writer because 
balancing a bunch of bunch of these characters with their own personalities and stuff, but also giving them something to actually threaten them. And that can get boring really quick because if they're always just dealing with these galactic threats, then it's like, well, then what's the point? You know, yeah. uh, why would we have these solo books? Because they're always off fighting, you know, Kang the Conqueror or Starro and this stuff and that stuff. Yeah, it's it's that's the fun part. It's kind of like a sampler of the universe if you're into a team book. Hey, I like the Avengers. Let's check out these characters that are part of the Avengers. Justice League, same thing, but it rarely ever works when they give them spinoffs. But um, yeah, not like X Men works well because it's that is them. Yeah, they and hardly I, have any. The Wolverine, is them. yeah, Wolverine's the only one that really had his own successful spinoff, and uh, to me, he's tiresome. God, he's the least interesting character in Marvel in uh, X Men. Hey, hey, hey! You're if you're talking about uh, Logan slash uh, James, okay. If you're talking about Laura Kinney, them spite words. No, I don't even know. I don't even know who that is. I haven't read X Men since probably uh, Josh Whedon's run, which is a long time ago. I'll have to I'll have to get you some X twenty three books. Uh, you know what? No, 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 I read one where they go to the past. They bring them to the future. What's that called? Uh, First class or something the- like that? No. Oh yeah, the first class run where they have the old, the original X Men. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a really entertaining run. That's the only time I've read it. But um, all right. So I think we pretty much hit the end of this episode. I want to say real quickly, Howard Porter, his art I did not appreciate at all. I don't think it's great, but I remember like revolting, like oh, what is this fucking garbage? I got to look at. This is terrible. I get it now. He has he has Wonder Woman faces that are so terrible in this in this run. Yeah, it's not ideal. It's not who I would have chosen, but I think DC was on the low end at the time because they couldn't get the good artists. They weren't willing to... This is why DC holds up better in the 90s in Marvel. Yes, the art is not as good, but guess what? The stories are phenomenal because DC knew if you spend the the money on the writers and you get newer artists that maybe aren't purely like uh, veterans that know exactly what they need to do, you're going to have to suffer through that because Marvel did it. They hired all the great artists or image went off and, you know, they did their own shit. So there was a lot of bad art from DC in the nineties. And, uh, yeah, if you find something good in there, uh, I imagine they were bought up immediately by Marvel with a, with a long-term contract or they went off and decided to start cliffhanger or something stupid that didn't last very long and no one remembers. Yeah. And that's, that, there's, there's a definite uh, late '90s art that on both on both sides of this of this thing that I just it's it's eye poison. Yeah. Mm. Uh, my I still prefer the uh, the run with Giffen and Dematis. Uh, they took the Justice League when they were in Detroit in a cave led by Aquaman and Man, Martian Manhunter. They had like Vibe and Steel and Vixen and Gypsy. Yeah, it was it was the pits and saved it, but yes, it was more comedic and it wasn't as big story as the way Grant Morrison would do it. But I think Grant Morrison also kind of climbed up his own ass sometimes. Well, Grant, like you said, Grant Morrison wants to be heady, and when he is successful, it is phenomenal. When he's not, <laughs> it's just uh, just a constant headache, and you just sit there and and just go. Someone, please, you know, yeah. editor, yeah. do your fucking job. Well, I would say, uh, of the big four, like brainy writers, there's uh, Warren Ellis, uh, Grant Morrison, Neil Gaiman, and uh, shit, Watchmen. Oh my god, I have amnesia. Oh, with Alan Moore. Alan Moore. Those are the big four. I would say the two most successful are Warren Ellis and Grant Morrison, but both can kind of trip over themselves trying to be like, ah, we're going to be just as, you know, complex and, you know, deep. And sometimes, like, could you guys just cool it and have a little fun? Actually, I, I would have uh, changed it to to uh, Ellis and, and Gaiman. I think Gaiman is a lot more, uh, in, in his headiness, he's a lot more straightforward. You can... He he will he will explain what he's talking about at some point. Oh, okay. Morrison, I've never, I, no. I've never read I've never read a single Neil Gaiman. I have not. I've seen Stardust. That's as close as it gets. I think I saw Mirror Mask. I have never read any of Sandman. My sister swears by it. She says I need to read it, and I'm like, ah, it seems kind of not my thing. Sandman is amazing. Uh, his 
Oh god, uh, sixteen oh two is a great little. Run oh, about, you know what? Uh, I, I read that. I read that. Yeah. I read something else that he did in Marvel Universe, the, like a Secret Wars, like where a kid, like imagines a world or something. He makes it real. Does it called? Oh god, I can't think of that one. I, I, I the one I was thinking of that isn't as successful was his uh, Eternals run. That. That's a little shaky. Yeah, Marvel doing the Eternals. That's like on their, you know, on their front line. Like they got to get that going. And I'm like, you're gonna go with that. But then I also said the same thing with Guardians of the Galaxy. I was like, you're gonna go with those guys. I was wrong. So who knows? Well, it can't flop as bad as the Eternals. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Do you mean the Inhumans? Uh, the Inhumans. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, just, I said the. The Eternals again, didn't I? Yeah, I was like, the Eternals yeah. can't be as bad as the Eternals. I'm like, did I just open a wormhole in time? <laughs> <laughs> yes, the Inhumans. They, they can't do as bad as they did with the Inhumans. Yeah. You know what's funny is we just uh, did an episode talking about Godzilla before this, so we've been talking for a long time, so I apologize if we sound excited. Clearly, talking comic books is our forte. Like, this was so much easier than when we do. I What were we thinking doing James Bond movies? The Star Trek was easy, but I feel like this is our thing. Maybe we, yeah, movies aren't maybe our thing, <laughs> at least for me and you. Oh, I I can talk anything, but yes, it's it's been a while since I've done a done a deep dive into comics, so I think that's probably a little more of my energy. Yeah, too. so much so much easier for me to do. I love diving into these obscure characters. Okay, but we've gone a little too long on this episode here. Check us out on Facebook under uh, Back in Tunes. I've never made a page for Comics on the Infinite Earths because it doesn't come out as often. So if you like cartoons and comic books, it's all under one page. Uh, he's now taking over some episodes of Back in Tunes uh, where he discusses anime with a co-host. Um, and then uh, you're on Twitter under... Musician. M-Y-U-Z-I-S-H-I-O-N. And I'm under Twitter under Retro Rock Entertainment. And that is it for us, everybody. John, send us out. Have a good one, everybody. We haven't come up with a slogan. We need to come up with a good slogan. Every show that we do has something. I'll come up with, uh, keep flipping those pages or something. I don't know. I'll, I'll think of something funny. <laughs> All right, everybody, have a good night. I'll shut up now.